Give Mike Matheny credit, he's pushing buttons. Jorge Soler hitting second, Danny Duffy in a hybrid role, putting Emmanuel Rivera at third base. We talk about all of the recent Royals changes on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's Tuesday, June 29th, and this conversation started as a Sportsbeat Live. We cover several other topics today, so let's get right into it. Hey, welcome to Sportsbeat Live. Uh, we're coming to you from rainy Kansas City, rainy, and uh, and which caused some delay in the start of the program. We apologize for that. Let's blame it on the rain anyway. Right? <laughs> sure. We're going with rain. Um, hey, this is the show where we talk about the Kansas City Royals with the people in the media who know them best. Vahe Gregorian is here. Sam Mellinger. Lynn Worthy, we're going to talk Royals with you. Send us your questions and comments. We'll get to as many of them as we can. And uh, what a big uh, shout out to our sponsor, University of Kansas Health System. You'll hear from them later in the show. You know, it seems like when we when we talk, we always give maybe a, a little more emphasis to the most recent game, even though there's a week's worth of games, right? We come we come to you every Tuesday, and there hadn't been much to talk about, right? Um, I think they won the night, that they won on last Tuesday night, right? That was the first game of the Yankee series, and they haven't, they haven't won since, right? Six in a row, the losing streak. But last night was a sort of a special kind of stink, I think, for the <laughs> Royals. Uh, they made some changes, they got out to a big lead against the Red Sox at Fenway Park, and uh, had Danny Duffy, their best pitcher, starting the game. Had Josh Stamont come in, and those were the two pitchers that did them, you know, ended up doing the most damage for the Royals. So, a depressing kind of loss for for the Royals, I think. Let's talk about these changes, though, that happened just for this game. I I, I know that you, Sam, you led your Milligram minutes this week with it, the changes. Um, let Let's start with this: uh, Jorge Soler batting in the two hole. Yeah. Um, what'd you make of that? And what, what, what's the objective of Bat or uh, Solera? Yeah, I mean, I think when I saw it, <clears throat> um, you know, just the lineup submitted and like everybody else, I was like, <laughs> hell's that? <laughs> you know? uh, but the, the, the explanation I thought made sense, which is, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but Mike Matheny basically said um, they're trying to get him to see more strikes, put him in front of Santana and, and Perez, their two most productive hitters so far, and also just sort of like get him out of this mental space that he's been in where he's just trying to hit three home runs all to left field with every pitch, you know, and, and just get him thinking just quality plate appearances, you know, good contact. And I thought we saw that, you know. I mean, I, I don't know how many times he's had an 0-2 hit to right field. I'm guessing the total's now one. Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> um, you know, th- th- that's exactly, I mean, it doesn't always happen like that, and who knows, it's just one, uh, one swing, but that's exactly what they, what they were trying to, wanting to see. Yeah, they, they got the result, right? Yeah. Two hits, two singles, both yeah. to the opposite field. Um, and I, after the first one, he kind of smiled at first base. You notice that? He, yeah. You know, looked back in the dugout and laughed. Um, well, you, you found out, I guess, early in the day, right, Lynn, about yeah. this, uh, Mike Matheny, when he talked to the reporters. What did, what did Matheny say about it? Well, it was interesting because, like, you mentioned the seeing more strikes, and, and I thought that was probably a good part of it, but when, it sounded like that really wasn't as much a part of it as it was really just trying to get Soler thinking differently. Um, because, you know, when I asked, you know, and I think analytics nowadays tells you that, like, lineup protection isn't quite, or, well, at least raised the question whether or not that's really that much of a thing anymore. 
And Matheny was really like, well, it's not so much that he was getting pitched around or anything like that. It was more that, you know, they were exploiting adjustments he wasn't making and he needed to have a different approach. And he kept on hitting on the fact that, like, it's not we're going to move him up to the two spot to have the same at-bats that he was having down in the lineup. It's like, that's not, that ain't it, basically. It's like that, no. He needs to come up to the two spot and adjust the way he's approaching these at-bats. And so that's why I think going the other way, having a short swing, get, you know, shortening up 0-2, those were things that were legitimately encouraging to see. Rex Hudler was pretty excited about it. You know? <laughs> he's, he's been talking about it all year. Um, I don't know. Is it is it too late to save Jorge Soler? I mean, he's, what is he at, seven, six or seven home runs? He, is, did two for four lift his batting average up over 200? I'd Probably not. I don't think so. Mm. What, what, what do you what, – what's the – what are they going to do with Soler the rest of the way? You leave him here for now, right, at the two-hole and, and see if something comes of this change. And give Mike Matheny credit. He made a change and it worked. At least he's one game in and it worked. And maybe it does change Soler's approach. And he's not, you know, hitting singles to the right, you know, gives him a chance, I think, to just to open, free his mind a little bit, right? He's not going into the batter's box every time thinking he's got to pull, pull something, hit it 450 feet. So – uh, but are we? Is there is there enough evidence now for Solaire in a Royals uniform that to, to determine he's not going to be part of the future? What do you think? Well, I I think that's been a great question for a couple of years, right? I mean, I think they that you could have made a case that that he gives them something different than they, than they have, and yet um, not something that they necessarily can count on uh, or that they they fit with best, right? So that, that you. I'm sure, in fact, I think you made the case that I think that might be worth dealing him a year or two ago. Um, seeing what after you get then. Home run year. Yeah. After 2019, when he was hitting mostly in the two hole, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not that year. Last, not that year? Last year. They, they was it last year? Most okay. the two hole, but then the injuries and everything. So yeah. Like, yeah. No, but that year it was still like um, he was batting in the middle of the lineup because remember that was the year there was no Salvi. It was him and Dozier batting sort of behind each other. And I think it was Witt. Trying to remember if was Mondi batting up that high that year. The that was the year where he, you know, I'm trying to remember how many games he played that year. But he had the two shoulder things. But he played a decent amount that year. Well, that's, that's right. <laughs> well, the broader point. I mean, I think the idea that this has been what now we're three months in, and you really do still feel like every day it's been a problem trying to hit three home runs on one pitch. Like he's not adjusting, and good for them to try to scramble his his sensors and put him in a different spot. But I do feel like um, it's the classic uh, case of, of so far expecting, putting a guy in the same situation and expecting different results has not proven to take. I feel like, I've come to feel like he's not really the fit here that they want. Um, maybe that's Captain Obvious, but I just feel like, I, I thought no matter what his, his production would be, couple notches higher, even if he was having a bad year. And instead, it's been abysmal. Yeah, the, the point I've always thought about with, with him is that he's just a bad fit for the Royals. Um, you know, they, they play in this enormous stadium, and he doesn't cover a lot of ground. He's not a great outfielder. And I just think that power would play a lot better in, in another place. And I've wondered, you know, for a couple of years, there's sort of been this internal extent, would you rather extend Salvi or Soler? And... Salvi got the contract, obviously. So Laird didn't. 
He's, got, he's in basically a walk year, and I've just wondered, this is complete armchair psychology speculation, I could be completely off base, but I just wonder if there's been an extra little bit of pressure that he's put on himself, knowing it's you know, sort of a, a free agency year for himself, and it just, you know, that stuff can, that can snowball the other way pretty quick in baseball. And I wonder, and, and I think, Lynn, you spoke to people at spring training about this, but I, I sort of wondered how much that, that element became part of why he's been in the outfield again. Um, more this year. I, I, don't, I don't really know what the, the rationale for that was, and maybe in some ways it's been okay, but I specifically remember talking to him in spring training 2020 before things shut down about how he hit much better because he had a free mind by not playing in the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said it. Like, I'm, I'm a better hitter when I'm not out there. I don't know how the numbers bear that out, but clearly emotionally he felt that way. He has an enormous split. Um, DH and outfield. I mean, it's it's his OPS is something you probably know better than I do. His OPS is like a hundred and some points higher um, well, when he's a DH. It's 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 significant. And, and the thing is, is like I, I know they've said, and I and I feel like he's also said this too that that he likes playing the outfield. So I'm not. I mean, I remember having some of these discussions, even going back to Ned, where like they felt like they needed to still get him out there at least semi regularly. And I always wondered whether or not that was you know trying to make sure that you kept some sort of value there, saying he wasn't just a full-time DH, but obviously nobody's going to come out and say that. Um, but then uh, there were times when you did hear Soler say that he enjoyed playing the outfield and he felt like, you know, he was more than the DH. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, because you hear that, but then also you hear the, the other thing, like you said, sometimes. So I'm, um, I think there's also probably part in the back of his mind, especially this year, where it's like, okay, if you can play multiple positions, and maybe even just you look at the offseason, there were some deep guys who were viewed as just DHs who were sitting on that free agent market for a while, who were like yeah. legit sluggers. Well, you're talking about Nelson Cruz, or um, you know, I think Ozuna was sort of in that boat too. And it's like, okay, well, then you cut off a good portion of the teams that might be interested. And I don't know how much of that is actually factoring in his mind, but you know, maybe that's part of the. Oh yeah, I can play outfield too. <laughs> you know, I enjoy playing the outfield. So, um, but. I know it's it's been one of those things where I wondered if it was, you know, you got to make sure that you can show that he can do more than just DH to try and build some value. But if he's not hitting, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they're not going to be able to trade. Yeah, there's no yeah. market for him. Exactly. And, yeah. so. I don't think he's going to be on the team next year. So yeah, I, I just wondered, especially to going to that number two spot, I think is really interesting and the logic behind it is sound. But the other thing that I've wondered is is put him at DH all the time and not just because of what we've been talking about. He hits better there. But I don't like him and Dozier in the outfield at the same time. You know, you, you can oh, get... Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, you know, that's... That's, that, that's not a good defensive outfield. And again, especially... Maybe you can get away with that at Fenway. You know, uh, left field is so small. But, you know, when you're playing in Kauffman and, you know, or, or Seattle, like some of these bigger stadiums, um, I, I just think you need more ground to be covered. Yeah, I think they... Yeah, it was interesting because I, I felt like they were getting away with that because of where they were playing. Like, you say, okay, in Yankee Stadium with the short porch... Yeah. Fenway, like, but I, in Kaufman, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I also, the thing with Soler that I sort of, you know, I mean, and then, you know, you mentioned that the whole thing with Salve, it's like when he got that money, then you knew that Soler probably was, you know, an afterthought because because of the power numbers he's put up, he's probably, that's where you're going to be able to ask for money is because he's got those home run numbers, at least he did. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this year is probably changing that. But um, I just, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, with um, uh, lost the train of thought there. But, um, 
Well, I'll, let me jump in and yeah, say I'll that. I'll come back to it. One of, yeah, <laughs> we'll come back. Um, one of the benefits of not playing those two guys in the outfield together, Soler and Dozier, would be, um, I, I think Dozier, he, he's even more of a lost cause, I think, this year than than, uh, uh, than Soler. But I, I think one thing that might be able to help Dozier a little bit is give him a position and let him stay there for a while. Hmm. Let him stay in right field for a couple of weeks and see if that doesn't. He, you know, From game to game, he's, he's somewhere else, right? He's always playing a different place. So I just think it might... It might benefit him to have a position that he knows, you know, spot in the lineup, a position, and, and let him play there. Now, I, that listen, that runs contrary to some thinking now about him that he's killing him, and it seems like he, you know, he'll have a good day, and you think, okay, now he's he's out of it, and then it's the next three or four, he's back in his zero for four and striking out three times. He does. It seems like he's got a day a week or yeah. so where it just yeah. is like yeah, multiple that's hit the games. guy, yeah. you know? Yeah. And Do then, you guys feel? I mean, don't. At least I feel like. I'm a lot more puzzled by him than I am by Solaire. I mean, at Solaire, we can kind of, uh, I mean, it's pretty simple, break down what's going wrong with him. I don't really think I understand what's going wrong with Dozier. I've wondered, my armchair psychology on him, and you know him better than, than I do, mm-hmm. um, but he, he's a very organized sort of, you know, type A, like kind of perfectionist. And I think that's part of why he's had the success and gotten to the big leagues and gotten the contract and everything. But I just wonder if that can sort of, again, too much pressure, like, you know, white knuckling the bat and stuff like that. I just, I don't know. I've wondered that with him because he's got that personality, I think. He's not just a grip it and rip it, you know, sort of laid back guy. I mean, everything's got to be focused. And again, that's a good thing most most of the time. But I like that case for maybe just planting him somewhere. I mean, I don't think, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I, I... I, I don't think we should assume he's not part of their future the way we might assume it about Solaire. I could be wrong. Well, well, they just signed him in the deal. He's got the deal. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, I mean, he got 25 million reasons yeah. to Good, good point. <laughs> and, and their flexibility with that is different. Um, mm-hmm. But I I don't know. I I think there's still something in there, but I, I don't know why it's not coming out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I come back to that contract, too, because I wonder if, like you mentioned, sort of just the way he is mentally, if... He's not pressing because he even talked about last year because of the short season and the you know the COVID and everything how he really was pressing to produce when he got into the season because there was only so much time left and you know and he got off to a slow start and so when you think about that if that that's sort of something that he's you know semi prone to I mean maybe that's going too far to say he's prone to that but then you get this contract. Yeah. And then he also had the, the hand thing, which was never really fully this, you know, explained at the beginning of the season, but there's a thumb thing. He's still wearing that guard. I don't know how bad it was. He played through it, but he got off to that slow start, and then it just piles on top of it, you know, that, the contract. And, I mean, because there's some at-bats sometimes. Like you said, there's some days where it's like, okay, and then there's some at-bats where you're like, he, he just went up there down. in swing mode and was just like, that's not the, the guy that we've seen and the yeah. type of bats that we've seen. They're going to be, and not just the contract, I mean, that's a big thing, right? But like, if you put that to the side, I think they're going to be really patient with that. Their default mode is to be really patient with that guy because he is one of the most liked guys, you know, in that clubhouse, one of the most respected. I mean, he puts in the work, like he does all the things that earn a guy the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and I mean, I think, Vahe, you wrote the story about how they, they literally put him in Gordo's old locker room. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. like that's, they're, they're. It seemed like they're putting him or, you know, trying to frame him as one of their leaders yeah. going forward, even though he's a quiet guy. Like, yeah. they're, they're setting him up as one of their clubhouse leaders, one of their team leaders. You know, it's so striking as we talk about this. And, and I know we see this all the time where guys don't perform as you think they might. But so uh, 
Dozier, Solaire, Keller, I mean, obviously, you know, Mondesi. I mean, if any of those guys were sort of even two-thirds of what you might expect of them, this, mm-hmm. this whole team would look different. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, I mean, that was, uh, I mean, you, you can't envision, well, yes, if you envisioned a season without those guys, you'd have a team that's 33 and 44. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. That's now yeah. in last place by a percentage point yeah. in, in the AL Central. And then you just add on to, like, I just think of the Benintendi thing, too. You know, yeah. he, he little, had just, what was it, like seven, ten days where he was just crushing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, and player then, of the month, right? He was player of the month. It's just, yeah, he was, um, God, they run into some rotten luck, man. Yeah, and I think that's the, the depth, you know, is just, and part of that is maybe, in a, a, and, you know, I'm sure people will tired. Oh well, other teams. It's like well, part of that's a small market thing. Well, they just and part of it's just they don't they haven't built up enough of the depth that you would want because other teams do have injuries and are able to still you know perform and not the whole lineup doesn't go yeah. down the tubes. Right. Part of that, like I say, is you know if you're a larger market team, you can pay for more depth. You can you can find and then if if you've had a stronger farm system over an extended period of time, you know, um, so their depth just isn't quite there when you talk about Mondesi and Benintendi and. With Mondesi, it's also that question of, you know, for a guy who's as dynamic as he is, how do you create depth for that spot and for that type of a player? You know, it's um, it's a little tough to, to yeah. really, you know, it's easy to say, tough to do. Yeah. Hey, before we head into a break, let, let's talk about the other change uh, since our last show, and that's Danny Duffy uh, in the hybrid role. And we saw him, you know, he started the game last night's game when he three and was it three and two thirds I think or three and, three a, and third, a third three and a third um what was he pitch count 40 was he in the 40s oh no last night he got to 62, 62. yeah the previous start was 42 okay so what, what what's why is this happening well basically it's the combination of them feeling like they could keep him healthy or they hope they can keep him healthy by not necessarily extending him too far in outings. So, like, they don't want to be pushing him to, it sounds like, you know, and we haven't gotten specific numbers, but it sounds like they don't want to be pushing him to 100 and plus on a giving outing. And they feel like maybe they could still get maybe a similar amount of innings out of him if they let him do that. What would be a bullpen day anyway, actually throw out of the bullpen in a game. So you're not going to get five, six, seven innings on one night. But if you get, you know, last night they tried to get him through four, he didn't quite get through four, and then you get another inning or two, you know, a couple days from now, then you're still getting, you know, five, six, maybe yeah, seven's probably high, but, you know, six innings out of him every couple, every week or every, you know, five days or so and try and keep him healthy because they felt like when they extended him, that's when the injury started to prop up. Mm-hmm. That's where the forearm thing started to get tight. Like they had a game earlier this season in Detroit that, we found out after the fact that that's why they cut him down after five innings, and it was like he was dealing. What's mm-hmm. going on? It was because of the forearm thing. They just weren't telling anybody at that point. So just trying to maximize him, right? I mean, yeah. and and it, I think I understand this, right? But I mean, the idea is ultimately to get him get him back semi extended to being able to go a hundred pitches or not I don't necessarily. Know. That's that's I the mean, part. It's a little. It it doesn't sound like it, but at the same time, like I didn't think he would go. You know, they would extend him 60 last night because the way they made it sound the first time, like, okay, he's going to be similar to what he did that first outing, which was 42 pitches. And then yeah. he pitched a couple, you know, an inning a couple of days later. But last night we saw 62 pitches. And so it almost looks like he is getting stretched out. But if, if the goal is to keep him healthy and 100 pitches every five days isn't working, I don't know that 100 pitches. <laughs> 
and then three days later, 60, and then two days later, you know, like that, that doesn't make any sense. But it's, I think this is such an interesting deal that they're doing with this guy. The, the Royals have built up, and they, they don't talk about it that much publicly, but like, um, you know, sports science, they're, mm-hmm. they're building that up um, I- internally. And, you know, if they've got some information and some measurements that are telling them this is a better way to do it, I, I just think it's a really interesting. I love outside the box. And, and um, you know, with the way the season's been going, Try something new, you know? And with the way that guy's career is gone, right? Like, he's so talented. <laughs> and, you know, the, the issue is not talent. The issue is not focus or, or, or work or any of those things. The issue is just health. Yeah. I like it, man. Try something Figure different. out a way to get yeah. the most out of, yeah. out of him. Yeah. Um, John Morosi had him uh, as a potential Padres uh-huh. uh, trade, you know, trade target. Yeah. Is there, do you think, you, you think the Royals would... Is, is there, are the Royals to the point where they would would they do that? Would they deal him? I think they've been open to trading him, you know, for not for a long time, but before. And uh, he just passed ten to, ten years. Oh yeah, of five, service ten, time. Yeah. So he would have to approve any deal. Um, but it would make sense for the Royals. I mean, even if they trade him at the deadline, he's on a fifteen point five million dollar salary this year. So they'd save what about five million, um, something like that. And if he wanted to go, you know, especially the Padres, he's, he's got a buddy guy. there. Um, actually, a, a yeah. buddy who once called him the greatest teammate he ever had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Not yeah. far from you home know, either. Yeah, pitch. I mean, God, that team's talented. They've got, you know? they got a few yeah, former Royals out there. I yeah. mean, think about, you know, um, trying to remember the years-wise, but, I mean, uh, Myers out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Hill out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a few of them out yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Duffy's been in the game long enough. He was teammates with him, at, you know, yeah. at some point. That looks like it would be a fun team to play for. It would be. <laughs> you know? yeah, Those guys have be. a good time. I'd hate to see him leave, but you got sure. the business of baseball. Yep. You got to do what you got to do, right? Yep. So, all right, let's take a break uh, and hear from the University of Kansas Health System. And when we come back, I want to talk about how the games in Omaha uh, might have an impact on the Royals. The Kansas City Royals lineup is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare, the University of Kansas Health System. We both suit up with one goal in mind, to win. The University of Kansas Health System, official healthcare provider of the Royals. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back um, chatting during the break. <laughs> yeah, with, with, we can't stop. Curious minds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, one more change before, uh, before we go on to uh, the College World Series, and that is uh, Emmanuel Rivera yeah. uh, played, made his Major League debut and if you were watching the game, I know Lynn obviously was. Um, so he becomes the first Royal in history to get his first major league hit at Fenway Park. Kind of cool, I guess. Um, went two for four. 
looked like a family member shooting the whole thing, or maybe he was FaceTiming was himself. I don't know what he was doing. That was great. It was pretty cool clip. to see. Yeah. It was really cool. So um, I guess they just kind of got tired of, of Gutierrez the third, right? They, they've seen enough of that. Yeah, um, and I didn't realize. Uh, I mean, I, I realized he had made several errors, but until I actually like looked up the numbers, like he he had nine, and they, he didn't play that many games. I yeah. was like, hey, that's um, like forty you know, games or something. Yeah, less than forty games and nine errors. I was like, hey. but he, you know, and I know people look and say, well, you know, obviously we were just talking about Dozier. It's like, well, you know, Dozier at least had some track record. He had some power. He's you know, he had hard hit rates and different things. That if he wanted to, you could squint and say, okay, well, we feel like there's a reason that, like, this might turn around. Gutierrez, you're squinting a lot harder. <laughs> um, and it's, and I also, you know, I mean, there wasn't the power that he was going to be able that he was going to be able to produce. It's just, you know, I think if if Dozier had been hitting, I don't know if Gutierrez even really gets that shot. Maybe it was somebody else in the outfield instead of Gutierrez. So, um, but Rivera, you know. First pitch swinging. I got, I, you got to like yeah. that. First, first MLB that's at a, bat. That's a Royals at bat there. First says, hey. I don't, I don't care what this pitcher has. First pitch swinging and been been doing well in AAA. And they really, they were they were talking him up in spring training. Multiple people in the organization were talking about how, you know, this is a guy who they'd been looking at for a while. He was starting to show some of the things that they thought he could do. So, um, I mean, at this point, why not give people a shot? Yeah. Hey, Jeffrey asks about Bobby Witt Jr., uh, and we can't go a week without talking about Bobby Witt. <laughs> is, is, is he going to go from double-A to triple-A before he comes to Kansas City? Yeah. Is that, that's the plan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are, we getting to, are we getting to about that time? I think we're getting close. Yeah. Didn't we get the sense like end of June was when they were going to sort of hard review it? I, I mean, it seemed like he's, that's he's done nothing last I talked to somebody about. Give yeah. them reasons to think long and hard about it, man. He's, he, he had a terrible start, you know, just yeah. that first – what was it, 18, 19, 20 games? Yeah, like yeah, right in there. My God, you look at it now. I mean, the, the, everybody, the, the power, you know, the, the, the highlights get shown, but he's, he's done that while cutting his strikeouts down. Still chasing a little bit too much, all that stuff, but still, it's, uh, God, he's been impressive. Yeah, because I think it was, um, and I don't remember how many games exactly, but I know that early on he had a strikeout to walk ratio that was like three to one at one point. And then the last couple of weeks, it's gotten down to more like two to one. And he's still like the average has gone up. You still see the power. I mean, everybody obviously looks at these highlights and says, oh, bring them up, bring them up. And the rankings and highlights will have people say, bring them up right now. But there are other things, you know, yeah. involved with baseball <laughs> besides <laughs> highlight, home run highlights and, you know, um, Baseball really? America rankings. <laughs> his, so. his numbers weren't great for a while. I mean, even until a couple of weeks ago against right-handed pitching. I seem to recall. I, can't, I thought one of us, we were looking it over one day in here, player, maybe, or something. I'm not trying to put it on you, but I just trying to remember. <laughs> I remember looking. Oh, give me the nod. <laughs> I was going to say, you better be right about this. <laughs> yeah. Blair told me. Um, no, but I'm pretty sure they, they, and I think those are those are going up too, but they were they were not in the place where you'd want it at, at that point to say, even to go to AAA. Oh, I mean, you know, there were some people who pointed out that he played fewer than 40 professional games before the season started. <laughs> <laughs> some people. How about Nick Prado? Um, yeah. What, how about, um, uh, what's, what's his path? What's, what's the timeline of his path? What do we think? I've wondered about Carlos Santana's contract and if that's, you know, sort of a, a soft launch. He said that's an interesting guy, too. Like, he, he was like the, where'd they take him? Like 15th overall? Somewhere round, in there, yeah. like 12 to 20. Somewhere in there, and um, he had a year or two in a row where it was it was not good, um, and I think there was like some uh, maybe he's you know first round bust or whatever. But 
he's, he's come along too. Yeah, not, not good was kind too. I mean, yeah. I think there was, you know, and he, not just him, but I mean, it was um, after that 19 season. I think last last summer there was a time when you know Dayton came out and said you know like somebody was talking about some of these these hitting prospects and Ooh. and Dayton said well it's not sugarcoat it. it was awful and you know there was and like I said it wasn't just him but I mean MJ Melendez was in that yeah. group like there was a bunch of them that was just like in Lexington right? yeah, yeah. that just you know the guys yeah. that had shown this potential and then all of a sudden it was like eh, what happened yeah and you know and. A lot of them are off to that hot start. I mean, you got that double-A, uh, I was joking earlier in the season, so you got the double-A murderer's row there with, you know, Bobby Witt and Prado yeah. and Melendez. And, you know, some of that, and you mentioned sort of the way they've revamped some things internally. I mean, the hitting department, I wrote about this last spring training, I think, that, you know, is literally, I think, sort of now called the hitting department. <laughs> they've, they've restructured, realigned the way they do things, trying to develop hitters and be more systematic about it. And... Mm-hmm short sample size but i mean they had all last year they had going into last year spring training last year um the uh alternate training site and you're starting to see some of these guys who everybody was like oh well maybe they weren't it after all starting to do what you thought they might be able to do prado is one of them melinda's is one of them and prado you know for a guy that everybody thought was really talented and you saw it defensively like that's already there now you know one of the most dangerous hitters in double a baseball Maybe the alternative site really helped him, you know, um, last year. That's you hear, you hear mixed reviews about the alt site and what you know, the, the impact it had, and maybe maybe he benefited greatly from that. It's such a I don't know what to make of that thing. I don't you know, know either. Uh, yeah, it, be a good book to read like, sometime. Yeah. For, for baseball nerds, with the alternative site and the Royals, I don't think the Royals were doing anything drastically different with the alt site than the other twenty nine. I mean, everybody's got a different approach, but. Um, they were trying to make the most of it. I mean, they put a lot of thought um, and, you know, debate and all these things into it. Um, but it, it does seem like, at least I'll just speak for me, it seems like I just default to, oh, well, of course, like, Coar and Lynch struggle, like, alt site, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah, Prado, well, yeah, he, alt site, he did great. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody does. But yeah, again, I want to I want to read the uh, the definitive work on yeah. the, you know minor league baseball Get in the that. summer of twenty. Yeah, bye bye bye, Gregorian. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so game two of the College World Series in Omaha is tonight. Vanderbilt against Mississippi State. Vandy won the opener behind um, uh, Jack Leiter. The the but their number. Their number two starter, Kumar Rocker, is not going to start tonight, from what I hear. They're going to save him for game three. It's, it's, it's his rest. Um, so he would be available for game three. But I, I, before the show, I looked on three uh, baseball mock drafts, and each one of them had the Royals taking Kumar Rocker with the number seven overall pick. Is that what you're hearing, or is that, are we, is that what we think might happen? certainly would be in line with their recent <laughs> College <laughs> yeah. philosophy. Yeah, I, I mean, if he gets that far, then I don't see how you pass on him. But um, I, I, I guess I haven't dove into as many of the mock drafts because I didn't. At least you know, a year ago, there was no thought that he would probably Be available. Get that far. Oh, he was he know. was easily the number one overall number one going into this year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But his second this year hasn't been as productive as last year for him. Yeah, so yeah, he's I mean, been passed by the teammate, right? Yeah, by lighter. Yeah. 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 So I mean if he and at the same time though, I like, I openly admit I didn't think Asa Lacey was dropping to them at four last year either. We're going into that draft because I thought that there would right. be people who would take him. Somebody's taking him in that top three and then all of a sudden Okay. Well 
I, I can't pretend like Lynn. I'm not going to pretend that I've like studied every other you know of the top 20 prospects or whatever. So I don't know if there's seven better. But it, it's hard to imagine Rocker being available at eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if he gets there, I, I don't know who the Royals would take over him. Um, they have Leiter going third or fourth. I guess there's a couple of high school shortstops that are studs, including the, the, the everyone has the Pirates taking this California high school shortstop at number one. But the Royals at number seven taking Rocker if he's there. And um, <clears throat> he, was un, he was unbelievable last year. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Um, and, but lost a little bit on his fastball and um there there you know people inside college baseball just wondering what why why, why there was a change in his um in, in his velocity this year but i i think if he's there the royals take him and um and and um yeah continue the the whole college pitching uh trend that they've been on now for for a few years uh tracy rocker's son the the, right. uh, the former the former NFL linebacker and of yeah. course Leiter is the son of uh, yeah, of Al Leiter right I've I've seen like a, you know it's just interviews and stuff but um, the the times that I've seen Rocker talk about pitching he's a nerd you know what I mean like he thinks about it on a different you know sort of a deeper level and I think that uh, in addition to everything else I think that part of it would appeal to the Royals we'll get into it in a bigger way on a future show because the draft is not is it the thirteenth. Eleven. That's right. Eleven through the thirteenth. Right. Eleven. So um, maybe next show uh, because I believe that will be um, the thirteenth will be a Tuesday. So anyway, uh, hey, big thanks to University of Kansas Health System for sponsoring us. Thank you for your questions and comments. And as always, thank Vahe, Sam, and Lynn, and uh, our producer Beth Welsh. So we will see you again next Tuesday. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy, Sam Mellinger, and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And, of course, they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And it's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And... If you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode. <music>